Welcome back to another episode of Recap, the podcast where we talk about the latest news featured on our platforms. This is the news that matters most to our voters. We encourage our legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. As always, I am your host, Joshua Hyde. With me today are analyst Alex Crohannon and one of our writers, Anthony Arnold. How you guys doing today? Good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. So ready to talk with, with you guys today. I know. I know. We, we got a lot to talk about today. All right. Well, let's go. Okay. So then let's, let's go ahead and dive right in. So, Anthony, talk to me about our polls. Yeah. So as everybody knows, every Friday, our poll question comes out across all of our social media. We really like it when you guys respond and let us know what you think. For the poll question today, I chose our most recent one, which was about canceling the inauguration. So the setup was that there have been warnings across all 50 states about possible attacks on government buildings and government officials. So the question was, in light of recent events, including the siege on the Capitol and FBI warnings of threats by Trump supporters and white supremacy groups, do you think Inauguration Day should be canceled? I said no, Josh, in the comment section, you also said no and provided a much uh, more eloquent and detailed answer than I did. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I think most people uh, just straight up said no. But most people, everybody on our comment section said no. So I, what I want to ask then is, is there a reason, uh, what would it take for the answer to be yes? Uh, if we had very credible intelligence of an attack that could kill, you know, that might kill hundreds. At what point would that shift from no to yes for you, Josh, since you answered? And I'll try to do the same of my own. And Alex, uh, I know you didn't comment on it, so I'll sort of give you the first chance. What do you think the answer is to the question? And uh, at what point should the answer be yes? Um, so I, I, so the answer is no. And I think the unit, the answer might be almost, I say unequivocally, no, I like it, at, at, at no point. Um, like I say, is it, is it worth canceling? Um, and not just for like, for this particular transition, which I think we all know is really important. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but any of them, right. Because postponing or change like postponing or changing it or or the like is the like is a direct threat to our democracy um to our like to the continuation of our republic to 200 at least 220 plus years of of this tradition and largely any number of lives is worth that yeah so let me slightly then the inauguration day is ceremonial Sure. The only thing that happens that needs to be preserved would be the taking of oath. That's it. Everything else is largely disposable sure. outside of ceremony. So you could you could have a transition that that was that did all the things it has to do, but that wouldn't expose a lot of people to danger. But that's okay. But that you're kind of still surrendering the point, right? Um, you don't have a like you if your government if your republic is incapable of protecting its leaders you don't have a republic yeah well i, I again i for the yeah. sake of brevity i don't want to make the poll right right like that's, that's my, this is this uh, is my short like that's the short yeah, answer yeah which i think is a fair answer uh again i don't want to make this section too long for the sake of letting us move through the entire thing but i just think it's an interesting question to think about uh i don't think i quite agree with you alex but we'll take that we can take that conversation offline another time 
Um, but I just think that's a fascinating question, you know. Would it be 100 people, 200 people die? Would it be worth it? Um, it's an interesting so thing to consider. My, in light of my, what we almost just saw happen. Very true. My, my thoughts are uh, a tad bit different. Um, there is a, a metric that would tell me that the answer would be yes. And then we would either need to move it to like virtual or what have you, all the other ways that we could actually protect the people that are making this ceremony happen. Um, as far as I'm aware, and I could be wrong in saying this, so please check me if I'm, if I'm not correct, but I believe the majority of the nature of the, the raid on the Capitol was to disrupt, not to hurt people. I believe it was mostly just to disrupt processes. However, like you said, if we have very credible intelligence that there is an actual attack planned and people are going to die, then yes, cancel it, protect the people. But only if that is the case. Otherwise, if there's just going to be like a riot and, you know, that's really all that's happening. They're just like, violently protesting what's happening i believe that can be protected or at least the the situation itself can be preserved uh in the face of a riot but like if there's like a straight up like assassination attempt on biden and we know that to be the case protect biden like that's a no-brainer to me um so yeah that my answer is like if if we have intelligence that there is it, there is intended to be death on the people that, that are being attacked, then yes. But as far as I'm aware, as I said before, I believe the purpose of the Capitol riot was just to, well, riot and, and break stuff, not necessarily to hurt anybody, although I know people did get hurt. Yep. All right. Well, there we have it. Uh, like I said, every Friday, our poll questions come out. Uh, normally, one, two, all of us will engage in the comment sections. And if you leave a particularly interesting comment, uh, we may engage with you. Uh, as well. So uh, look out for those every Friday. Absolutely. Now, Alex, yeah. talk to me about our normal downer of each episode. I mean, is, I mean yeah, so th this is this is an even bigger downer than like normal because uh, not only like is it not like this, uh, is it in the like the horrific backdrop that it is, right? But it's also been like some of our some of the worst weeks um that we've that we've seen yep um we're at we are currently adding 200,013 sorry 213,000 cases a day new cases a day with uh 30 I say uh with about 3,500 deaths a day I I wish I had better numbers <laughs> well we we already knew after we started covering this that the, the numbers were never going to get better. Yep. Like they're already large enough that it's just generally a problem. Yeah. Um yeah, and we're like the so like the hot spots keep moving, right? Um so we are once again back so so New York um is a so is a hot spot. California is a hot spot again. Uh Arizona um is back to being a hot spot, but uh, we are also seeing Arkansas and South Carolina both uh, all getting up to all above at least eighty-five cases 
per every 100,000. Now, uh, I guess now Fort for silver lining um those places are like are currently like not the uh like the death hot spots um like those are um like new york and california are seeing relatively few deaths relative to their population um unfortunately arizona is not um uh and then uh, pennsylvania alabama mississippi and kansas are also seeing um uh well over like one like well over one death per one hundred thousand people daily. Hmm. What's our what's our total death number now in the U.S.? Um, three hundred ninety four thousand four hundred ninety five. That's what I thought. Yep. Uh, and I, yeah. again, just for, like for reference, right? Like nine eleven, like as hor- like as horrific as it was, killed fewer people. We're talking more than a one, like we're talking about more than a nine eleven every day. Yep. Since for all of twenty twenty one, every day there has been another nine eleven. I mean, approximate, you know, equivalent, equivalent. We're approaching World War Two casualty numbers. Yeah. World War Two was a little over four hundred thousand. So by my birthday, which is February sixteenth, we will have well surpassed World War Two casualty numbers. Which is. Um, and World War Two is the was our dead was the deadliest war stands the Civil War right yeah 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 so that's what we're approaching now and I actually yeah yeah and that's crazy to me yeah like, we'll have passed it by the end of this week we'll have passed World War Two by the inauguration actually yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah unfortunate yeah. I shouldn't I shouldn't be laughing but at this point it, it just it feels ludicrous the, like the num- I, I'll say the number like the, the numbers are baffling um yeah yep. like I mm, okay well All right, we, we can uh, I mean I have other things to talk about but yeah uh, we're gonna talk about the, the other thing so it doesn't matter so let's let's go ahead and get into some some other stuff I mean the 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 things that I wanted to highlight from the the site were just two really interesting articles uh, that I've read because for those of you who don't actually know I take uh, some time to read almost every article that's posted on the website and every time we do this what I generally do is pick between probably the last like four or five maybe five or six that have been posted that I think are interesting and worth your time so um, in this situation, I've highlighted two that I think are very interesting because they're things that I didn't know about. Um, but let's go ahead and cover them. So the first one, um, if, if you looked at the title on the on the Facebook page, it is a uh, 154,000 Black women uh, left the workforce in December alone. And I won't go over all the parts of the article because the article kind of starts with the story of this lady named Tanya Hughes who lives in Rockville, Maryland and is dealing with uh, well, all the problems of being a single parent in today's COVID-related, school-related America and all the problems associated with that. But the article drops some really interesting numbers and that's what I wanted to go ahead and cover. According to um, some, some sources listed in the article, since the pandemic started, 2.1 million women have left the workforce compared to about 1.7 million men. And in December alone, all 140,000 jobs lost were held by women. Whereas according to the labor department, men gained around 16,000 jobs. 
that I did not know about and was not prepared to read. Along with that, this, the December job loss was concentrated mostly among uh, Black and Hispanic women, and that information specifically comes from uh, Heidi Sherholtz from the Economic Policy Institute. The, the main kind of point behind her statement was that, um, around this time, you deal with a lot of uh, you do a lot of job loss in sectors where uh, Black and Latino women tend to congregate, where we, you know, the entertainment and hospital industry, or not hospital, but the, I, you don't know what I mean. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the way that you know society works, there are there are several sectors that have large concentrations of Black and Latino people for the obvious reasons that we don't need to discuss now. Um, but those were the the sections that were hit most notably in December, and that's where a lot of these jobs were lost. Um, the, the last number I want to go ahead and hit, read the article for yourself, it, it, it goes over a lot of very interesting things, and Tanya's story is really interesting as well, um, is the unemployment rate. Specifically as of now, the unemployment rate for women is overall 6.3%, while the unemployment rate specifically for Black women is 8.45% and 9.1% for Hispanic women numbers I was not prepared to look at. So yeah, we knew the pandemic was hitting people hard. We knew already that the pandemic was hitting disenfranchised people much harder, but I, I did not know that it was hitting, especially women, all this hard. But that makes sense given all the things involving schools and schools being shut down and that, you know, caring for children tending to be a woman's job here in America, even though we know that that's not actually the case. Uh, yeah, no, that it was good to put some facts to those to those well-known, uh, some some statistics to those facts, because those are things that I think people had pointed out early on, mm -hmm. that there were disparate impacts across different groups. Um, and the recovery will potentially have similar disparate impacts if we don't go out of our way to make sure, you know, when jobs start to come back, all of a sudden disparities in hiring become uh, become more important. Right. Uh, if you have discrimination on terms of who gets an interview or who gets hired, those become even more impactful when the recovery phase of this starts. So it's important to keep an eye on those things. And like you just did to try to put some statistics to them. Any thoughts, Alex, before we move on? So I say uh, I'll have to look through those uh, numbers. Um, so do they do they break down why that's the case in the article? Yeah, so like to talk about like why women lost, like why so many women like either left or have like lost their jobs. To some degree. It doesn't cover it in like, you know, great detail, but it gives at least somewhat of a reasoning for it in general. Some of it early on, I know, was because of, uh, like you mentioned, like when kids weren't able to go to school, a lot of times it was women who left the workforce to watch them. Or if there were elder adults who needed more care, then a lot of times it was uh, female relatives who dropped out of the workforce to take care of them. Those things have always been true. And it just became worse when all of a sudden kids were forced out of school or older adults were, were forced into more, uh, they just needed more care. So I know that was part of the reason early on. I imagine it has still held true, especially as the virus has like come storming back. Uh, I imagine it's probably ramped that up again. To some degree. Um, yeah. I, Wage I don't disparity we, matters here. I would also, also say. fair. Yes, also very very fair. Um, I in in my initial read, it's been a little bit since I read it to make my notes for the 
the thingy, but I, I'm pretty sure it covers at least part of that. It goes into that in some detail, but not, I don't, I don't believe it was very great detail um, to answer your question, Alex, but I, I, I do remember it giving some initial context for the numbers themselves. But the numbers is, like I said, what I wanted to focus on, because again, th those weren't numbers that I knew about before I read the article, and I thought that, that was very interesting to know. Now, the last thing I want to cover is uh, a woman by the name of Rebecca Jones and her issue, or the issues that the Florida police have with her. Um, so the, the, the article itself is regarding her turning herself in um, after a warrant for her arrest was issued. Um, the main story effectively is that she was fired from the Florida Department of Health uh, for what she says was refusing to doctor the state's COVID numbers. And she herself has been a very big critic of uh, Florida Governor DeSantis ever since, using her own platform to um, kind of tell, as she calls it, the truth. And she's become something of a whistleblower in uh, that regard. Now, since then, um, apparently the Florida uh, Department of Law Enforcement Thank you. I, I, I couldn't remember if it was like the Florida Police Department or the Department of Law Enforcement. I couldn't remember those words. Thank you for correcting me. We can move on now. So <laughs> the, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement uh, issued a warrant for uh, issued a warrant for her arrest. Um, she herself is obviously fighting the warrant because she doesn't believe it's based on anything. And it, for a lot of people who've looked at the warrant itself, it's been criticized for being vague and overreaching. Um, seems definitely, at least according to them, as if uh, the warrant is really just trying to shut her up rather than actually finding any crimes against her. Uh, so she, it's, she herself has sued the state for violating her civil rights and to return equipment that has been seized by the state in an earlier search through her home for uh, propaganda and such as they called it. So that's an interesting story that I, again, didn't know about and thought it was uh, interesting to know, given uh, all these different states have obviously very different responses to the pandemic and some states have been criticized more than others. Um, and I just thought that, that was a very interesting story about what I believe to be a state covering up someone who is trying to speak the truth. Uh, yeah, that appears to be what's happening here. So, <laughs> Just, just thought that was something that should be on people's radars because it is apparently happening here in today's America. And uh, that was the same woman who a few months, say maybe a month ago, um, who her apartment was raided yep. by the, um, say yep. by the FPD. Yep. Correct. All right, I just wanted to confirm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why she's suing. Well, that's the other half of her suit is to return the things that they took in that raid. Um, right. for the things they, they were trying to, right. as far she, as she live streamed that. Oh, did she? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did she not did. know that part. Oh Lord. But, uh, they were, they were trying to relate her to like a sequence of statements about, uh, you know, bad things about either DeSantis or the department. And as far as I'm aware, that didn't turn up anything, but it, she, she was in fact rated. Um, and so she wants obviously her, her stuff back and obviously for everything else the state's been doing against her. Yeah, Rebecca Jones, my heart goes out to you. I hope I hope you win your case. With that, um, we will take a quick break and then be back with the discussion. Welcome back to Recap roundtable portion where we go ahead and take a topic and we kind of toss it between us 
Um, between the first part and this part, we have added Francine, the, the boss lady of Coincast, to the discussion. Say hi, Francine. Hello, everyone. And uh, today, I, I wanted to talk about something that I knew was burning on all you guys' minds. Um, obviously, we, we referenced it a couple different times, both in uh, this portion of the show and obviously in our own personal discussions here. But uh, the, the raid on the Capitol was a big deal uh, for a lot of reasons. And I'm gonna cover a couple of those today, uh, but mostly what I wanna do, and this is kind of the purpose of the discussion, is to focus on what effectively this means for either the future of our country, the future of attacks on our country, if this, if this should be considered domestic terrorism. I have a lot of questions for you guys. But I know that not everyone is in the loop and so to start with, I'm just gonna kind of explain effectively what happened and give us each a chance to respond. Because I know we've had some conversations individually, but we have yet to have a conversation as a group about this event. And so I just wanted to give us a chance to just say things. Cause I know a lot of us have a lot of things to say about the event itself. So let, to get started on January 6th, 2021, it's crazy to say that we're in 2021 right now. The United States Capitol suffered a riot and a violent attack performed by a mob of, of Trump supporters in an attempt to overturn the election and stop the current process. So first, to get started, I have, I have effectively four points to go over. The first one I want is just you guys' response. Obviously, as I said before, it was a big event. What do you have to say? Uh, I was horrified. I mean, I think the only way to describe it, uh, I, I rushed home from work in the middle of the day. I turned on uh, my TV and I sat there for hours just watching the news. I couldn't move. I, I was like basically not responsive if people were talking to me about anything other than what was happening. Uh, I just sort of sat there. Horrifically staring at my TV, sort of in a state of disbelief about what I was seeing. And I went through a range of emotions everywhere from volcanic level rage to despair. Uh, I'm not afraid to say that I, I like cried at the TV more than once out of just sheer uh, heartbreak over what was happening to a country that despite what people may think or otherwise I deeply love and care for. And uh, that has been more or less where I've been ever since then. To be honest, like I, I know that we, when it happened, uh, we were we were kind of talking amongst ourselves in the text chain that we have. But to be honest, I didn't actually see anything about it until a day later uh, when all the articles and stuff started coming out. And I was like, wait, what? Like this is this is what happened, and so I kind of found myself in like a rabbit hole of looking at articles and looking at news or looking at the the like recordings of the news that had happened during the time frame and just about everything else. And uh, I don't I don't know if it was as 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 deep as yours, but I I just was honestly like abashed and ashamed, really. Like I I just looking at it all, I was like, how did we get so far away? from what I believe should be happening. Like I wouldn't have even been bothered if Trump supporters were like protesting outside of the Capitol building. That would have made sense to me. That would have been fine. But for for everything to have gone down the way that it did and for, especially in a place like the Capitol building, like that just, 
it rubbed me all kinds of the wrong way. And I wasn't quite sure what to think that day. And obviously I've had lots of time to sit and ruminate on it since, but like, I was just honestly ashamed that we had enough people, that many people in our nation that were willing to disrespect our capital in that way. For me, I think that I've gone between embarrassment, looking at what happened there and how it happened, horror, just the sheer horror of the thought of people being hurt and the melee that took place inside, um, and anger at the, the, the sheer arrogance that if I don't like something, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'll tear it down. I mean, I dealt with, I sat with that for a while. Um, do you have anything to say, Alex, before you move on? Yeah, I mean, so I'll keep it short and succinct. Um, it was, it was like watching a, um, it's like watching a train crash or a car crash, right? Um, so I was horrified, but not surprised. This was, um, this was, this shouldn't have been a surprise to anybody. Um, that like they've said what they were going to do. They said that they were going to storm the Capitol. They they were very blatant with what they with what their intentions were. Um, the only reason that hang Mike Pence wasn't trending on Twitter is because Twitter blocked it like manually. They just delisted it. So like I said, like I'm just I horrified but not surprised. So what's interesting about that that statement is that when uh, when I went through what I'm going to call my rabbit hole and like learning about all the things that led up to it and everything else. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Like it's, they, they did all but circle the date. Well, in fact, they did circle the date. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, it was it was quite shocking to me to learn all the things that actually went into knowing that this was happening. If I, as like a, a normal person in the U.S., can like look through all of the events leading up to this and can know that this was likely going to happen, or at least something was likely going to happen on this day, I guess I'm just really confused as to why, at the very least, they weren't met with the same level of i guess uh people in riot gear that the blm protesters weren't met with or that, that they were met with that's what i'm confused about like in a situation where people are legitimately trying to get into a government building and cause problems i guess i'm just confused as to where the people in riot gear were but sorry do you want to do you want to talk about that i, I do want to talk about that actually um Sure. Yeah, we can go ahead and get into that now. So, like, in in a lot of these shows, I try to not play my hand too much. In most cases, I'm trying to guide the discussion, not always sharing my specific thoughts and beliefs about the the discussion at hand. Although I've been trying to be a little bit better about that in the the most recent recordings, but like, I was already flabbergasted and appalled by the amount of resistance met to legitimately peaceful protests. I was only more surprised that knowing these people had intended to break into the building to destroy things, we, we knew they were planning to destroy property. I guess I'm just really confused because in, in basically every sense beforehand, it was very clear that they were trying to protect property. Most of the protests of 2020 were met with that because they had assumed they would break into riots. 
And we know that some riots did happen at the start. We know that some property did get destroyed. I'm I'm not saying that I think it's reasonable, but I'm saying I see why maybe they thought it was necessary. I guess I'm just confused as to why it wasn't necessary here. Especially, as I said before, given that it happened at the Capitol building. Yeah. Not. Um, so uh, a couple, say a couple of observations, right? So um, there were less capitalist and this isn't like this isn't my like opinion this is uh, something that like insiders have said there were less present presence on capitol police um during this inauguration or so not inauguration um during this um certification than there are during peak tourist season well let that sink in for a moment huh so 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 that aside um so there's been a couple of um criticisms lobbied uh and a couple of defenses launched so um you know people are saying about um uh, observing that like that there were fewer um police op- uh capital police some uh capital police have said that they were told to take the day off just don't come in um some and i say uh, some people have uh, have suggested that um, they didn't want to uh, put on the the riot gear and the same type of um, measure, defensive measures that were taken against uh, BLM because they didn't like the optics. What did they learn that lesson post BLM or? Uh, so there, <laughs> some have so some maybe in good faith, maybe not are are saying that. Like we learned, uh, say that we learned from the backlash from from what was happened uh, happened at BLM, and so we want to. So we're trying. We're taking a lesson from that, and we don't like the optics the way that this looks. Um, though that seems like a pretty bad faith argument. Um, the obvious uh, the obvious thing here is that there's a group of black people, and you didn't like it, and there's a group of whites uh of white christian nationalists who um you don't hate i mean let's let's take let's 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 chew on that for a second because even if that was actually true is the the alternative to just like let them do whatever they were going to do anyway i'm just confused because even if your your goal is to avoid the optics i don't think that means you still let the problem happen well, the other optics that I saw was um, some of the police officers posing with groups of people as they were making their way up the steps and into the building. So that doesn't really make sense with that argument. Um, I, I saw people who look literally to me look like they were ushered in. I don't mean into the building necessarily, but they've removed some of the barriers on the lower levels to let people come up the steps, basically allowing people to breach the security line. So, I, I, I mean, they've created another set of bad optics. You know, this probably just is not their gift. You know, just be fair. Just say when we have protests of a certain amount, we have this many people on duty. Don't worry about optics. They're not good at it. Um, worry about fairness, justice, you know, the things that matter. So, uh, Yes, and I'm happy you brought that one up. Um, so again, and that's another criticism people have um, levied, and um, some people um, 
uh, involved have said, well, they were severe, like they, they were severely outnumbered. Um, and so the reason that they were allowed in was to create a smaller surface area and to, say, to create a more defensible position. Um, again, uh, this is this is the defense that is being uh, levied. This isn't like my my personal opinion, um, and I I don't know that stands up. So I'll, I guess I'll, I'll yeah I'll weigh in here. So I had complicated feelings about this since it happened, about this aspect. I think the optics of a lot of cops in riot gear are really bad. Like I actually think the optics would be real bad if your supposedly peaceful transition of power and a democracy was also accompanied by uh, a large a large amount of like military force, um, then you are teetering on a nice edge of not having really peaceful transitions anymore. Because we saw this like with Portland over the summer. If you have a lot of people gathering to protest, then having a lot of cops is an invitation of force, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it is a deterrent to potential violence, but it is also an invitation for violence. Um, it is both. It is both simultaneously, and that can't be. There's not. There's not a way out of that bind. I mean, if you have eight thousand people showing up to protest, and a few hundred of them are bad actors who are there not to just protest but to commit acts of violence, they will. Then it is. They see the cops as targets. Like it is. And again, we saw this in Portland, how like the, eventually they just they just kind of maybe, and then Seattle tried this over the summer as well. Like, should we concede? Should we let them establish territory in an effort to like prevent them from doing the absolute worst? But then once they establish territory, they're kind of like a nuisance to everybody in the territory they've established. They're breaking shop windows. Shop owners are pissed. People who live in the area are mad, but like they tried this. I mean, but like around the country this summer, we saw a variety of responses to the protest. It wasn't like a blanket show up with pepper balls and rubber bullets. Sometimes that was the response, but then sometimes they tried to accommodate the protesters and that didn't really work either. Like Seattle and Port, like Portland is still protesting. It hasn't worked out. Like they don't know what to do in Portland. They're like, should, should we marshal? Should we mobilize and violently remove them? Like what? One of the, it, it depends on what you mean by work, you know, what worked. Um, you know, I, I think that from my perspective, it was just an act of fairness. You know, I, I saw that, and, and also the narrative was much different. Um, I saw a president who came out and pro- proclaimed his love for people who came with zip ties and were dangling from balconies. And I don't remember him doing that for anybody in Portland. I mean, I think it's just this this imbalance of of approach and and how it's feeding the divisions, right? I I think that when we talk about what works, it depends on which sense of consciousness we're bringing to the discussion. Am I bringing the fact that I already hate you? And that what works for me is just clearing out anything that reminds me of you not liking what's happened? Or am I bringing that I need you to help make my point and you can burn the place down? It's, there's, you know, I think the reason why we have this mix of responses is because 
we don't address things fairly in this country when it comes to protests. We address them by, for instance, this threat, when Dan Coates, where they were on a committee, they presented to Congress or sent, I forget, they presented, they said the biggest threat to uh, our national security besides Russia and some of what China was trying to do were these exact groups. They said that. Was it 2017? They've already told us that. That was poo-pooed away. Charlottesville happened. That was poo-pooed away. It's just that that is probably a better comparison because, you know, there's good people on both sides and we love you as opposed to when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And even when we kneeled at the football games, you should, I mean, there's no way to protest against a narrative if somebody is wanting to just destroy what you have to say. There was no, there's no way to win in that space. And that's what has to be done away with. There has to be, uh, we talked about this before, we need more sacrificial leadership. We need people that understand truly what justice is. Some of these protests are taking place because we aren't responding fairly. They were taking place because people were being unfairly judged and shot on the side of the roads or in their neighborhoods. You know, I don't think there's a direct comparison there. So, uh, so I don't, I'm trying to, to frame this correctly, phrase what I'm about to say correctly, because um, the narrative surrounding the Black Lives Matter versus these protesters, the narratives have been different, it's true, but the, the president and his allies are like the only people framing one as equal to the other. It's actually like now, the president is a loud voice, which obviously, because he's the president, his his utterances carry extra weight. But like the media, by and large, has actually been very clear about this one is much worse than the other one. They're not there's no like false equivalencies, even among like Fox News is not like attempting to somehow portray like this one is nowhere near as bad. So the media actually does recognize, like throughout the summer, much of the media covered Black Lives Matter protests in a frankly not as bad way as I thought they would have. They were, they handled it better than I thought they would in terms of acknowledging why people were out there and that most of the protests were peaceful. They repeatedly went out of their way to say that. But the president this time is on the wrong. He's flipped it, but that's because he's the president. And to be blunt, he's a jackass. <laughs> like to be totally blunt at this point he's a jackass and yes he portrays black lives matter as worse but i'm not concerned about the activities of like the jackass president and his heads up their asses allies like forget them like if if a small number of crazy people want to want to pretend that like the attack on the capitol was was not as bad as like black lives matter then like they can go be crazy in crazy world but um, most people, I, I I actually do think are like, no, this one is way worse. Like what? <laughs> like I don't think most people are confused. Actually, I think that's echoed in a couple of the like. There was a a news poll that I saw that was like, do you agree with um the 
like the events of uh, January 6th and like by and large the majority on both sides and independents were like very much against like very very few percentage like less than 10 uh were like in accordance uh with the events of the rioters whereas if you look at like there was a similar poll done right when the protesting started and things were much more in between so i i think that that's that's probably accurate there's uh there's a lot of people on both sides republicans democrats and a lot of people in the middle that all see this as a very very bad event um and i think really the only people i agree are that are spinning it to you know compare it to blm are specifically the president and the people around him um that that lines up a lot with what i saw and what i've read and a lot of the information that i've seen so far um what i want to go ahead and do is talk about my second point um, because I think this is something that's important to cover, at least in terms of what this means. So the question is, effectively, now that this has happened, and we know that people are capable and willing of this, what does this mean for the future of our democracy and our democratic processes? And by that, I mean, do we believe this could happen again with a, a different president or a different transition of power? Yes. So, I mean... <laughs> Yeah, so that's the concern, right? Um, uh, I know some Republican politicians, for political reasons, are saying, "Well, we we we're ca- we want to call for unity, and we want healing, and we want to put this behind us." Um, but you, that that poses like a major risk uh, to to the like to these events. If they, there is not punishment, if there's not accountability. Um, that poses a risk to exactly what you're asking, right? Alex is right there. I mean, uh, I weighed in and said, yes, but look, uh, once you open the door to violence, it's a hard door to close again. Political violence especially is hard to get, to put the lid back on. It's hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, when you legitimize political violence, when you when you don't punish political violence, when you acknowledge it as a legitimate form of uh, expressing disagreement, it has a tendency to spread like wildfire. So yes, it is a distinct possibility that it could happen at Biden's inauguration or around the country or in lesser forms with state or local governments that are not as well prepared to handle it. It is a, I mean, um, we, it, what we saw at the Capitol building was an outgrowth of why did CNN have to evacuate their premises earlier on in the Trump tenure? because of the threats of bombings like have we forgotten that has happened Mm. have we forgotten when like gabby giffords have we forgotten that the baseball field was shot up like this is not the first instance of political violence recently this is just the most high profile this is just the most outlandish the most outrageous but it's not the first there's no reason to think it will be the last and and i'm not even talking about the threats again the governor of Michigan was the target of a kidnapping plot. Yep. Like <laughs> that that happened. I mean, why would any of this go away? Why? It's only getting worse. It's been getting worse for the last year, two years, three years, four years. It's only getting worse. Um I mean, news story just broke. What was this? Two days ago, person arrested with a gun and five hundred rounds of ammunition in DC. 
I don't want to be overly pessimistic, but I, I see nothing in recent history that would suggest to me this is the end of overt political violence in this country. I mean, you're you're 100 percent right. And I think what's really funny is that cuts directly through my second two questions, because <laughs> my my other two questions on this matter effectively were, uh, should we be prepared for more attacks like this in the near future? And I already know in the information that I had uh, looked up both prior to making this discussion and after everything was solidified that we had knowledge of the fact that there was something like this planned for like, I think every, like every one of our 50 states in some capacity. So we, we already know that something at, at the very least was planned. We don't know if it's gonna happen or not. I don't know uh, what all the information that has been at least revealed uh, tells us, but for the most part, yes this is not something that we're done with and i what i'm more specifically worried about and this is kind of my third question on the matter is we know that this was very this was very pointed to stop like biden's confirmation as the election winner so do we believe or at least do you believe any of our other democratic processes can be either interrupted or stopped in this way. And well, I, but like the protest that took place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that this is probably emboldened some people, you know, to, to interrupt um, other sorts of things. I don't know what form that's going to take, if it's going to be a lone wolf or, you know, a small gaggle of, of folk. Do you have something to say, Alex? Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to wait for Anthony because I'm going to take this well, conversation to a whole, like, to it. Well, okay. I, I'll place. just, I'll cap what I said then by saying uh, I just looked it up very quickly. So this is from October. Politico had an article. Uh, 44% of Republicans, 41% of Democrats said there would be at least a little justification for violence if the other side won. Those numbers are both up from June. 36% of Republicans and 33% of Democrats said it is at least a little justified for their side to use violence up from June. Among uh, the most ideologically partisan, 26% of Democrats said there would be a great deal of justification for violence uh, compared to 7% of those who simply identify as liberal. And of Republicans who identify as very conservative, 16% said there would be a great deal of justification for violence compared to 7% of people who identify as simply conservative. So yes, across the ideological spectrum, there appears to be broad consensus, well, not consensus, but a substantial percentage of each party that thinks violence is at least a little justified. The idea that you can avoid more violence when somewhere between 25 to 30% of each party seems to think violence is an acceptable solution, you cannot avoid violence with numbers that high. Yep. I did not know that. Yeah, it's terrifying. Wow. That was in October. So, Imagine where it's at now. Well, now that the so violence has point, arrived. Right, so to, to, to be fair, um, uh, that would be, I suspect that those numbers um, would change along party lines. Uh, I, pres I presume that um, with Democrats now having all three houses, um, that, that highly partisan people are going to be less um on the on the democratic side are going to be less prone to violence um in republic or uh, not less prone like less supportive of violent action and 
Republicans will be probably even yep. more so. Yep, that's what I assume about the. I've read things about this before, and that's generally true. Yeah, the party out of power always believes in uh, believes more in violence than the party in power. Yeah, okay, which is and not there... which is not comforting, right? Yeah, I mean it's true, but it's like so power are... shifts frequently in America. <laughs> Okay, yes, but let's say so I think there are a couple of things that we need to uh, um, assess here. Um, and that first of which is who was involved in the um, in the, the let's be very, very generous and call it the siege. Um, <laughs> there are a variety of other terms we could use, but we're going to use that one. So certainly, I, it was, I, I'm, it was so, so, so who? variety of groups it was white nationalists it was just basic q and non-conspiracy believing anarchists it was uh evangelical christians it was a whole host of it was nazis it was a whole host of bad actors who you're you're, you're right um so you kind and you kind and anthony you you tipped into to the the big thing um you're right there are a bunch of distinct groups but um if you look at them if you look at who uh, like who has been arrested and like look at their background they are moderate they are mid-level affluent evangelicals mostly yeah. not not every single one of them but that's the that is um the overrepresented group here like middle yeah. manager evangelicals um and we need to talk about that so so the why um, and you know a lot of their um, the, there's this this group of evangelicals um, with a militant bent who believe that who like who wants to bring um, who uh, sorry not like not want but believe that the end time will they want to be they want the United States to be one of the you know godded nations and not one of the heed, uh, heed, heathen nations. Yep. And that they are willing to do any, like, to employ any means necessary in order to accomplish that. Yeah, I'm actually really glad that you brought up the religious aspect because well before this happened, um, me and a friend of mine took some time to just like examine what's kind of being said in sermons around these kinds of people, just because we were both curious and prepared to be appalled. And one of the things that like you see a lot of is like conditioning thinking, which felt to me very, as you mentioned, cult-like. You see people that are like, you know, if if you don't agree with, you know, our great savior Trump, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord and like a bunch of other stuff like that. So I, I can, in a really weird kind of backwards way i can see why someone who hears that multiple times a week like will start to get in their head that this needs to happen like this is something that they have to do because that's what's been preached to them probably for about four years now so like it's crazy to think about when you're talking about all these people especially now, now that we know most of them involved in the siege are from this, you know, this group, this pocket of people, it makes a bit more sense that they would do it. However, 
I guess as someone who used to be a man of faith, I, I just don't understand why someone would use faith in that way. However, we've seen this since the dawn of faith for literally forever. So <laughs> what we're asking or what, what, um, what we're asking uh, like our government to do is to stop I say is to like Francine like you said is to treat this um ter- for all, I say for all intents and purposes a terrorist organization as a terrorist organization and um police them and they have never been willing or able to do this um the closest that we kind of uh, had was um I mean, like this dates back to Reconstruction, right? Mm-hmm. The the Wilmington Massacre of 1898. Yeah, you know, um, the time that the yeah. KKK came in and um, just overthrew a uh, democratic, like a democratic election. Uh, and along those similar lines, um, the Presidential Compromise of 19, 1902. Well, um, I don't remember. I say North. It was um, still North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina had a hundred and four percent voter representation, and that caused a constitutional crisis. And mm-hmm. so, um, rather than I don't know, hang traitors. Um, <laughs> they decided that we'll just uh, we don't want another civil war, and they made a compromise. So is that what we're suggesting this time around? Uh, well, I don't think suggesting a civil but I don't think that's necessary, right? Um, th- this is a, like this is a small, I'm gonna say, relatively s- a civil war. I say a civil war occurs largely because um, the, the like the poli- like this is what you're tr- you're trying to avoid a civil war. Um, this okay. is a group of of, uh, of terrorists who are willing to be violent. All that you have to do is uh, say is punish them for being violent. Mm-hmm. That's all that's being asked of you. Yeah, they're breaking the social contract, as it were. Um, what's What's actually really interesting is that in our conversation, both about our initial responses and uh, the future we've actually covered in fairly good detail my my third and fourth points uh, that I really wanted to cover here. Because we're awesome. We, we are. <laughs> um, that's why I didn't really stop our discussion or move it on anywhere because effectively we covered all the things that I wanted to cover. But um, there is one more thing that I wanted you guys' opinion on. And this was in relation to my fourth point, which was, have we seen the last of this group, which we know effectively that we probably haven't. However, specifically in regards to Trump and his, uh, you know, issue with the election, we know now, regardless of all the things he said about it, Trump has officially accepted the Biden win. We know that he's done that. He's done that on social media. Well, yeah, before he was banned, but go ahead. True, true. <laughs> but we, we know that it happened is, is the important part. Um, whether he'll walk it back or not is something that's yet to be seen. But we we know that the effectively the winner has been decided. It, it has been voted on. It is solidified. We, we now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what they were trying to stop has happened. So my question is, do we believe there will be any other, like, 
attacks or any other you know actions sieges as it were regarding trump or will it now be about something else if i had to guess i'll let you sort of ruminate francine uh mm-hmm. if i had to guess i would say it just moves into something else we've seen yeah. this already with q over the last four years right what once started as this it was a this satan worshiping child uh, it was this you know we're anti-satanic child pedophilia and then it morphed into this trump thing and then it morphed into this thing about vaccines and mask wearing and like it just conspiracy theories are really flexible and they're really agile and they just move to something else so i would anticipate for instance that when joe biden becomes president and tries to do if he ever tries to do like a mask mandate there you go there's the q and not people right there waiting on the mask mandate or god forbid they say you need a vaccine to go do things like go to school Mm. What do you what do we think they'll do when those mandates come out? That would be entirely consistent with addressing the pandemic. But how do we think they'll respond to that? <laughs> that's that's so, fair. I mean, along similar lines. So, Francine, you were talking about uh, like lo- like the lone wolf idea, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I want to we've misappropriated that term. Um, the Unabomber was a lone wolf, right? Right. Um, but a lot of these other people, Kyle Rittenhouse. Mm. Uh, not us. I don't. I don't. I hate that. I know. Like giving um, mo- uh, giving killers a spotlight. Because, um, but th- he's not a lone wolf. Yes, he acted a like you know alone, but he is part of a system. He is part of this um, indoctrination system. And that's that's not that's not a lone wolf incident, right? That, like, that's, a, this is stochastic terrorism. Mm-hmm. He's a member of a terrorist cell, right? I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. As do I. But yeah, with that, that's I I know a lot was covered today, um, and I I'm gonna have a lot more additional things to think about as I ruminate on this discussion in the days moving forward. But I would be remiss if I didn't tell you guys that this podcast is brought to you in part by Elyak Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, of course, Pointcast News. In order to listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Also be, sure to, all, words, I can use them. also be sure to follow us and like us on Facebook. Um, that's where we like to share lots of things, including the polls that were mentioned earlier. Um, we share lots of articles. And again, I think most of them are worth your read. That's why I read through them. I like to highlight the ones uh, that we or that I think are very interesting and a bunch of other stuff. Again, we like interacting with you guys. Please comment on stuff you like. Like it if you think it's you know relevant to you. Either way, I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, That'll be it. Josh out.